0: this is live on purpose radio episode 479 consequences manipulation or honoring choice now is the only time to create and live the life you love i'm dr paul jenkins the positivity psychologist my job is to connect you to powerful positive psychology principles that immediately upgrade your relationships, business, and mental health. Are you ready? Let's jump in. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Live On Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink, who expands your life with another episode of Live On Purpose Radio. I get this all the time, folks. Questions that come primarily through our parent coaching programs. If you're not aware of this, at Live On Purpose Central, we have a lot of resources for parents. And in these coaching sessions, I often hear that the consequences aren't working. And this is so frustrating to a parent because you're you're working hard to try to teach your children Correct principles that allow them to have a successful life and to get the things done that they need to do. And one way to do that is through consequences. So let's do a quick review of child development when it comes to moral decision making. We have a model at Live on Purpose Central where we compare control to maturity, okay, or we plot it against maturity. Control, meaning control over your own life. And that can go from zero to 100%. And it's usually somewhere in between, okay? Now, maturity is where this gets tricky. The most common way we think about maturity is age. So when you think about a newborn baby, for example, uh, how much control does a little baby have over his or her own life? Yeah, hardly any, right? They can make a big noise or a big stink. How much control does an adult have? Now, before you answer that, because if you're an adult, you're going to be thinking about all the fine print, right? Well, there's this or there's that. There's considerations. Yes, I get it. But when I ask teenagers this question, how much control do the adults have? What kind of answer do you think I get? Oh, 100 percent, because they feel or perceive that adults are in control of everything. And ideally, when you reach adulthood, you should be in control of your own life. So we have this progression from birth to adulthood, where as you become more and more mature, you get to have more and more control over your life. Well, when you're immature, you have to have someone else who's able to step in and take control in the areas where you're not mature enough to do it yet. This is really obvious with a little baby because if their parents aren't in the picture, they're in a lot of hot water. So they need to have someone there who can take care of business for them and fulfill the the parts of the control that they're not yet ready to handle. So if you can picture the graph that we use in this model, just has a diagonal line starting really low for for low maturity. They don't have much control and increasing over time until they have 100% control when they're more mature. Now with that in mind, this is why consequences become an issue for parenting. I've broken this maturity scale down into three different stages. I'm kind of giving you the quick version here uh, for the podcast today. You can get a more complete version if you come over and, and look at our Positive Parenting web class, and I can give you some links to that in the show description. But just picture for a minute if we were to break this continuum into three chunks, stage one, stage two, stage three. Stage one is the least mature. This is where there is a lot of selfishness going on. Selfish and self-centered. It's all about me, me, me. It's what I want, and it's when I want it. It's very demanding and manipulative. Okay, Now, it might sound like I'm describing a two-year-old, and I am, because two-year-olds typically are on stage one in their moral development. But I might be describing a teenager. Or an older child or even an adult can be selfish and self-centered and manipulating. You know this because you know some. Okay, so it's about stage, not age. Now, when we graduate from stage one and move on to stage two, we stop fighting and start cooperating. And this is huge, especially for parents, because when your kids start to cooperate with you, that changes the game. And it changes how we approach them as parents. I'm coming right back to that when we talk about consequences. Stage three is the most mature of these three stages. At stage three, you care about how other people feel. You have empathy. You focus on service and values and ethics that drive your behavior. Basically, you want to do the right things for the right reasons. Now, does this sound idealistic? Well, maybe. But ideally, what we want to do is help our kids to progress through these stages. And as adults, we want to make sure that we're on stage three as much of the time as we can, because that increases our control over our own life. So what do we do as parents? Go back to stage one for a minute. If you're working with kids who are on stage one, I don't care how old they are, if they're toddlers or if they're teenagers, your job is the same at stage one, and that is to use consequences. And these consequences have to be the kind that do not require cooperation. Okay. Why? Because you don't get it at stage one. Stage one is characterized by not cooperating, okay, resistance and defiance, Um, or in a more subtle way, you you think about a baby, for example, baby is just not capable developmentally of cooperating with you, they don't even speak your language at that point, (laughs) okay, so it's not a judgment, it's an observation of a stage of development, you have to use consequences that do not require cooperation, this is challenging. And and I've done some of the work for you. In fact, go to liveonpurposeradio.com. There's a dot com for our podcast. I think you know that. Liveonpurposeradio.com. And then do a little forward slash consequences. And I'll give you a list examples of consequences that don't require cooperation. This is one of the most frustrating things to come up with as a parent. In fact. That's why some parents tell me that consequences don't work. They're trying to use consequences that require cooperation with a child who's on stage one. Of course, it doesn't work because they're not cooperating with you. Uh, I knew that this was an issue with one of the parents who came to this was years ago. You guys, when I was in my um, my traditional psychotherapy practice, so the first part of my career and a A mom came in and says, well, I give consequences to my kids, but they won't do them. And I'm like, they won't do them? What kind of consequences are you giving? It turned out she was giving assignments, okay? Like reading assignments, for example, or writing assignments. These were the consequences she was picking. Well, newsflash, those require cooperation. And if you give that to a stage one person, they're not going to cooperate with that. They're not going to do it. And that's why for this particular mom, she was saying, look, consequences don't work. Well, yeah, you're using the kind of consequences that will never work with a stage one person. Now, when you move to stage two, you still use consequences, but they can be the kind that require cooperation. And usually parents don't run into trouble with these because their kids are cooperating. They give him a consequence, the kid cooperates with the consequence, we're off to the races, okay? So that's one of the first things that I noticed. Now, we also add communication at stage two. This is all stuff that we cover in our co- our parent coaching. What about stage three? I have another C word that I encourage parents to consider when their kids get to stage three, and that is consultation. Because at stage three, your kids are controlling appropriately the elements of their life that probably had you concerned in the first place. They're taking care of business. So you simply back off and you're available to them as a trusted consultant. They come to you and they're like, hey, dad, what do you think about this? And you give them your sagely wisdom whereupon they thank you and go home to their own five kids. (laughs) Right now, can it happen before they're adults with five kids? Yes, absolutely. But you get the idea. Okay, we've got stage one, stage two, stage three. We use consequences in stages one and two. There's still natural consequences that happen at stage three. This happens to you too, because the world has consequences. Every choice has a consequence. But on stage one and stage two, as you're implementing consequences, you have to pick the kind that do not require cooperation for stage one. I am sharing with you right now approximately three decades of clinical experience working with parents and kids. This is a huge one. When you pick your consequences appropriately, you suddenly have a much better experience and less frustration, less yelling more peace in the home. Okay, there's a lot of benefits. So go get that list of consequences. I've started the brainstorming list for you. Liveonpurposeradio.com forward slash consequences. Go grab it. It's free. I've just put this PDF together for you to get the juices flowing. Now let's go back to the title of today's episode. Consequences, Manipulation, or Honoring Choice. Because the second most common way that I get this feedback, that the consequences aren't working, is that the parents have chosen a consequence, and maybe it's an appropriate one for the stage. Okay, so let's take a teenager, for example, who is defiant or not doing their schoolwork or, you know, something that bothers parents. And the consequence is that they lose access to a digital device. Now, that's pretty common, and it's an appropriate consequence for a stage one teenager. But then the parents come to me and say, I did that, but it didn't work. What they mean is that it didn't change their teenager's behavior. So think about it for a minute. It didn't work, meaning it didn't change my teenager's behavior. That indicates to me that the parent is still trying to change their child's behavior. And this has an odor to it. Your child is going to smell it from miles away, that you are trying to change their behavior. The reason this doesn't work is because control is such an important issue, especially to teenagers and young adults. And so when parents say the consequence isn't working, what they mean is, It's not changing that child's behavior, that teenager or young adult's behavior. And that reveals that their agenda is still to change the behavior. That's the problem. So, And that's manipulation. You're using the consequences in this case to manipulate your child, your teenager, your young adult. And they will smell it. They'll, they'll see that coming from a mile away, and that creates the conflict, okay? Now, I have experienced that a lot of times what parents want their kids to do, the kids actually kind of want to do too, because it's going to make their life better if they do. Being successful in school, for example. I was just visiting with an 18-year-old who shared with me that, yeah, his desire is to succeed in school. Well, that's what mom wants him to do too. But they've been in conflict over this. And mom is putting the consequences in place to try to get him to change his behavior about how he's handling school. And they're having all of these conflicts. Does this sound familiar? And his resentment about that has him digging in his heels and being defiant. And that's stage one. Okay. But he admitted to me privately that he he does want to succeed in school. And I told him this. I said, you know what? If you do, if you are responsible about your school, that is really going to please your mom. But do it anyway. And you can see why that was probably something that I needed to say to him. Because he... See, this is how stage one thinking works. There's this rebellion. Like, I'm not going to do that thing, even though it's good for me because it's going to please my parents. So, we're not trying to manipulate our kids with these consequences. Consequences, instead, are now, try this on honoring their choice. Okay, so go back to the example access to a digital device. All right. Are your kids entitled to access to a digital device? No, they're entitled to love, air, water, food, and shelter from you. Okay, that's what I call my list of the five freebies. That's what they're entitled to. They're not entitled to the other things. If they are making choices that don't increase their freedom and control, then they get to have a life that is characterized by less freedom and control. And you are simply honoring their choice. So if you have an agreement with your child, hey, you get your homework done and turned in, up to date, on time, passing grades, okay, you set the standard. And if you do that, you can have access to digital device. Don't insist that they do that in order to obtain that freedom or that privilege. Honor their choice. If they choose not to do it, restricting that device is simply honoring their choice. I want you to do a little thinking around this. If you're a parent, okay, tune in to where you are with the consequences. Are consequences manipulation, where you're trying to change their behavior? Or are the consequences simply honoring their choice. And this leads into one of the biggest tips that I can give related to positive parenting. And that is detach from the outcome. Somebody has to be attached to the outcome. And if it's you, it's probably not your child. That's why it's so powerful for you to just back off From the outcome, meaning you're okay with whatever their choice is, and you're going to honor their choice through the consequences. You're not trying to manipulate their behavior. This is subtle, okay? And it takes connection to what I call the influence quadrant. That's another program that we teach over at Live on Purpose Central, where Where your focus matters. And if your focus is on changing their behavior, they're going to feel it. They're going to resist that because control is so important. It's important to you. Control is synonymous with freedom. But freedom isn't free. And thank you for your service, all of you veterans out there. Freedom is not free. So when your child chooses something that restricts their freedom, honor their choice. They need to learn it. And it's not you being mean. We're not punishing them. See, we're going to change the dialogue around consequences. Instead of manipulation, it is simply honoring their choice. You're detached from the outcome. You get to to have a calm voice, calm face, calm body. Keep smiling. Okay, when parents are smiling, kids are thinking, I promise this works. This is the psychology part of it. Now there's a paradox, and I think I'd be doing you a disservice today if I didn't share the paradox, because this shows up all the time. You and to illustrate this, I'm going back to a story, uh, an experience I had with my son, my oldest, Ryan. He had just come home from serving a volunteer two-year mission for our church. He was doing service and sharing the gospel uh, which was awesome He came home he's about 21 22 years old okay when he returned and he wanted a car go figure he's in early 20s he wants a car so we went down to mountain America credit union where I've been banking since 1984 we sit down with a loan officer who starts going over his information his application and she gets this dark look on her face as she She looks at Ryan and says, I'm sorry, you don't qualify for this loan. Uh, Big surprise, right? Uh, We both knew that this would happen. He was a ghost in the credit system. He didn't have a credit card. He didn't have any kind of history, credit history. didn't currently have a job. And so he didn't qualify for a loan. Okay, big surprise. Now I throw my hat in the ring. How about if I co-sign on that loan? Let's try that. And this loan officer was very accepting of that idea. Oh, yeah, that'll probably be great. So she starts entering my information. You guys, she gets an even darker look on her face. As she turns back to me and she says, Sir, that makes it worse. (laughs) Now, I wasn't surprised. I had been through a bankruptcy. I talk about that in my book. Chapter one is all about lightning strikes. And I share my personal story of going through this economic crisis. I knew I didn't qualify for the loan and I was kind of playing with her. I, I admit as a psychologist, sometimes I play with your mind because it's just fun. And I was doing that with her a little bit because I knew I didn't qualify for five cents, let alone the $3,000 that we were trying to get for a, a little car loan for my son. So I gave her another option. I bailed her out. And I I, I took $3,000 out of my pocket, put it on the desk, slid it over next to her. How about if I lend you the three grand? You set up the loan with my son and let me co sign on the note. How does that sound? And she lit up. She's like, Yeah, we can give you good rates on that. Yeah, thank you for the good rates on my own money, right? But this is how banks think. Now, here's the paradox you can get the loan. As soon as you prove you don't need the money. Think about how that's true when you're trying to get a loan from the bank. You prove you don't need the money. You're a very low risk. The bank is happy to give you the money if you don't need it. If you desperately need it, you're going to have a heck of a time getting it. And it becomes near impossible to accomplish. This is true in relationships. and. I know from all the parents I've worked with over the years that one of their main goals is to get their kids to do certain things or to change their behavior, to stop certain behaviors, to start other behaviors. I get it. Okay, Behavioral psychology is is an area of expertise for me. The paradox is you're more likely to get a change in behavior when you don't need to get a change in behavior. This is why it is so powerful to detach from the outcomes. The consequences are not to change your child's behavior. Although, if you do this effectively, that is a very likely outcome, okay? You're more likely to get a change in your child's behavior when you abandon that agenda. And, like I said, they can smell it. They see you coming. If you're trying to change their behavior, detach from the outcome. This is the hardest thing that I ask parents to do, but this is why consequences don't work when parents come and report that to me. They don't work, meaning they didn't change my child's behavior. If you, as the parent, change the purpose of the consequence to simply honoring their choice, And you're smiling, okay, can you hear the smile in my voice when I say that? When you're smiling and you're detached from the outcome, you're simply honoring their choice, then the consequences are more likely to change behavior. But if you're doing it for that purpose, it spoils it. I know, this is a paradox, and I I apologize for that, but you got to know about it. Because if you're a parent, you're going to be up against this time and time again. We can help you with the coaching. Remember, I told you you can get a a little brainstorming list. I've started it for you. Liveonpurposeradio.com. Do a little forward slash consequences. And I will give you a list of consequences that don't require cooperation. Let's get the juices flowing about that. Because if it's on stage one, that's why it doesn't work. And then detaching from the outcomes so that it becomes truly honoring their choice and then it's no longer a manipulation you've got this did you get what you came for give yourself the gift of taking real action on what you realized today please share this episode with someone you know would value it and leave us a rating too it's time now to live on purpose